Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm your host, Karen Curtis. Okay, full disclosure, I have been divorced twice, and I have one child, and that was from my first marriage, and we did not have any custody battle. In fact, we just agreed to raise her equally, and it was best for the child. But you know, that's not what always happens. I am so, so worried about you. I have no idea where you are. In August of 1994, right here in South Florida, in Hallandale Beach, a woman by the name of Lynn Friend, L-Y-N-N-E, Friend, she was home at her Hallandale Beach condo, and she was packing boxes because she was getting ready to move to Nashville to start a new life with a new husband. She hadn't married him yet. They were affianced. And she was going to take her five-year-old son, Christian. The judge said she could. Now, before she stepped out for a quick errand, she told her boyfriend, Ed, on the phone, she called him in Nashville, that she would call him when she returned. And then, an hour later, he didn't hear from her. Here's her fiancé, Ed. Hello, it's me. It's about 9.15, and I'm a little worried about you, and I uh, hope everything's okay. Her neighbor and her really good friend, Esther, lived next door in the same condo complex, and she became really concerned because she looked out her window. It was a Sunday night. It was, you know, after nine, and she didn't see Lynn's car. I am so, so worried about you. So then as the hours ticked by, Esther and Ed continued to call and leave messages for Lynn. I'm very, really very worried. You didn't tell me you were going anywhere. Hello, hello. It's uh, 1030. And I had hoped I would hear from you by now. I am so, so worried about you. I have no idea where you are. Call me. Bye. I mean, you can hear the concern, the fear in their voices. Do you have someone in your life who, if you were missing for an hour or two, would be that concerned and call and leave a message on your answering machine? To think about that one. Hmm. So the next day, she's still missing. Another neighbor discovered Lynn's car abandoned. It was about a half mile from her condo, and someone had slashed the front tire. So it was flat. And by that time, Hallandale Beach police had arrived at her condo, and Esther let them in. And she described the way Lynn had left her condominium full of moving boxes with the air and lights running, as if she had just stepped out for a moment. What I noticed that was very odd, she's very meticulous and very neat, and she's very frugal. The television was on, the lights were on, the air conditioning was on. So in the weeks after Lynn Friend disappeared, I mean, she just vanished. Those who loved the Hallandale Beach woman tried everything they could to find her. The fear was that she had been murdered. Her friends and family worked the phones, passed out thousands of missing person flyers with her picture on it, and even wrote letters to President Bill Clinton, who was in the White House at the time. And of course, after she went missing, the media got involved. None of this makes sense to anyone who knows Lynn Friend. She really was that all-American girl, you know, blue eyes, a beautiful smile from here to California. She adored her son. They were inseparable. Yeah, so... Nothing made sense. Why would she just up and leave, go away on her own volition and leave her son? And here's the weird part. 
in an alternate universe in Miami on that same Sunday night that Lynn Friend suddenly disappeared from the face of the earth, undercover customs agents got into a boat, a drug interdiction boat on the Miami River. One of them was Agent Tim Stellhorn, and they took off down the Miami River, out government cut, out to Biscayne Bay, and then out to open water in the ocean near the Gulf Stream. That's where you look for drug smugglers who are running drugs from the Bahamas to Miami. And just as the ocean is a great place to run drugs and interdict drug runners, it's also a great place to dump a body. Referencing my Full Rigor podcast episode number three, 101 Ways to Get Rid of a Body. Now, mind you, these undercover customs agents knew nothing of the missing persons case in Hallandale Beach involving Lynn Friend. So the agents stopped their boat about three miles out, idled, turned off their lights, and waited. They were listening for other boats that might be running without their lights as well. And here's Agent Stellhorn. He told Dateline NBC. It was a beautiful night. The ocean was calm. We had the engine shut off, and we were listening for any boats that might be uh, in our area. So I hear this boat coming out, and through night vision goggles, I could see that there was two people on board. The two people on board were in dark clothing, uh, goggles, uh, bandanas around their heads. It's about 11 o'clock at night, and these agents are suspicious, so they start to surreptitiously follow the boat, but then they're noticed. I watch the passenger turn around, and he spots us, I think. I tell one of my crew members, light him up with a spotlight. As soon as he lights up the boat, I notice the passenger roll a large duffel bag off the side of the boat. The chase is on. Aha! So, who was on the boat? Running dark in the open ocean at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night? Well, beautiful Lynn Friend was 35 years old at the time of her disappearance. And as I said, she was planning to relocate out of Florida to Tennessee with her son Christian. And her ex-husband, Clifford Friend, had fought the move and vowed to stop it. Mm Mm-hmm. This is according to the state attorney. So, guess who was on the boat that was detained after throwing something overboard? Clifford Friend and his buddy, Alan Gold. They co-owned the boat. Clifford Friend was a pawn shop owner at this time. And Alan Gold was his friend. Now, when agents detained Friend and Gold, they searched the boat. And they found cinder blocks, gloves, black clothing, a small mushroom anchor... The small anchor, according to Stellhorn, would not have anchored the boat. But remember, at that time, the agents did not know that Lynn Friend was missing. Apparently, they, when they noticed, <laughs> the anchor went over with the bag. So Friend and Gold were eventually released on that day in 1994. But just days later, a bell goes off. Agent Stellhorn was home in his apartment reading an article about how the Hallandale Beach Police Department was investigating a missing persons case and listed the person's name as Lynn Friend. And he remembered his little interaction with Clifford Friend and a big duffel bag that was thrown overboard out in the open ocean. 
Well, Stellhorn's hunch prompted a large search by Hallandale Beach Police in the area where the agents saw the bag go overboard. The U.S. Navy even helped in the search and aided with a boat equipped with underwater sonar and divers. First, Lynn's family paid several thousands of dollars, I think it was like 20 grand, to fund the search because the Navy would help but not for free. And when the Navy came up empty-handed in the hunt for friend's body off the Florida coast, her fiancé, Ed O'Dell, came up with another $13,000 of his own money to pay for another day or two of searching. Sonar did spot something lying on the bottom of the ocean. Divers went in, and all that was turned up was a black trash bag. And by the way, Ed O'Dell later spent $20,000 more on private investigators. However... Lynn's body was never found. And you know what that means? No body, no crime. The case went cold. Investigators had no body, but they did have a motive for murder. Now, the focus of the investigation had been on Clifford Friend, who had a criminal history, by the way, that included drug smuggling. But after obtaining a warrant to search his home, authorities found no clues to advance their case. So, fortunately, in 2010, the case was brought back to life when new prosecutors looked at evidence that had not panned out originally, but they gave it a fresh eye, and they discovered a critical piece of new evidence. And that critical piece of additional evidence turned out to be the friend of Clifford friend, Alan Gold. Remember him from the boat? He claimed that Clifford told him that Lynn was never leaving the state with Christian, their son. Instead, he allegedly said she was, quote, going for a boat ride and never coming back, end quote. And now Alan Gold is a convicted felon. He's not a very credible witness, but prosecutors used that recollection to get a grand jury indictment. So in 2012, prosecutors charged Clifford Friend with first-degree murder, and their key witness is 68-year-old Alan Gold. He was subpoenaed to testify, and he was given a grant of immunity along with that subpoena. It was an offer he couldn't refuse. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Clifford Friend was indicted for his ex-wife's murder in 2012, roughly 18 years after she went missing, and prosecutors said the murder stemmed from the custody dispute of their five-year-old son, Christian. Now, Alan Gold testified against him 20 years later, and he was given immunity, as I said, from prosecution as an accessory to murder. They're like, look, we're going to come after you for this murder. So Gold took the witness stand in Miami, and without any apparent remorse, he was kind of flippant, told what happened the night Lynn Friend vanished. Gold told jurors that his longtime friend called him frantically, summoned him to his North Miami Beach home, and when he arrived, he saw a large duffel bag on the floor of the living room. And what did you believe was in that bag? His wife, Lynn. Apparently, he didn't even look inside the bag, but he knew. So Gold, as the key prosecution witness against 58-year-old Clifford Friend, was asked, why did you help him? I decided to help him. I didn't want to see the kid. There were two sets of old parents. I basically didn't want to see the kid fatherless. And I figured it was the lesser of the evil. Well, apparently that errand that Lynn told her fiancé that she was running on Sunday night 20 years ago in 1994 was to pick up a child support check. Clifford had called her and told her to come over and get it. And indeed, She did get it. He basically said that the next thing he knew, 
it was over. He had lost it, he knocked her down, and choked her out. It means that she was in the bag, she wasn't coming back, and that was the end of Lynn. So, the two had to get rid of the body. Reference my episode three of my Full Rigger podcast, 101 Ways to Get Rid of a Body. Now, Clifford told Alan that he needed to use the go-fast boat that they both owned, so Gold testified that he helped friend put Lynn's body in the boat. <laughs> Some friend. Now, you say that you carried Lynn Friend's body in the bag and put it on the back of the boat? Yes. Then the two men made their way to government cut and then open water to dump the body, but they were discovered by the undercover customs agents. And Gold told the jury that he had made a promise to his friend. You broke it. Only because you put me in a box and I don't have any choice. So he sang like a bird. 20 years after, he helped his friend dump his ex-wife in the Atlantic Ocean. Now, during the trial, Friend's defense team maintained that without a body, there wasn't enough evidence to find Friend guilty. They also attacked the star witness, Alan Gold, who was not pure gold. Let me tell you, he was like gold-plated for being a criminal who was telling jurors whatever prosecutors wanted in exchange for immunity. And also, here was a big boo-boo. The prosecutors put a jailhouse snitch on the stand and they didn't verify what he was testifying to. He said that while behind bars awaiting trial, Clifford made a reference to killing his wife while watching a soap opera in which a similar plot unfolded. However, in a bombshell twist that even shocked the prosecution, apparently phone records showed that Clifford friend was on the phone with his then girlfriend and could not have been watching the telenovela with the jailhouse snitch at the time he said he was and therefore did not tell the snitch that he killed his wife in the same way. And to the prosecution's chagrin, the judge instructed the jury to disregard the snitch's testimony. And the defense had an alternate version of the crime to explain what they thought really happened to Lynn Friend. I don't know what happened, something happened, but we believe that something happened at the house. We believe there was an abduction. Uh, at the house. The evidence leans towards that. So on July 11th, 2014, two decades after Lynn's death, the jury needed just four hours to find 58-year-old Clifford Friend guilty of second-degree murder, determining Friend strangled his ex-wife while at that time they were estranged, stuffed her in a duffel bag, and dumped her body at sea. And before sentencing, the defense and Clifford's new family emotionally pled for mercy from the court. Over the two decades after Lynn's death, Clifford had remarried, had another son, and started a new business. His wife and friends were still sticking by his side during the trial. Cliff and I have been together for 22 years. His guidance and his fatherly presence to our children and employees have truly been missed. And then the son, who was five at the time of his mother's death, the apparent whole reason for the murder... Christian Friend, who was now 25 in 2014, attended the trial in support of his father. He said he never questioned his dad's innocence. After sitting here for weeks and listening to all of this unfold, I've never been more sure of his innocence. But I know that he loves me too much to hurt me by taking my mother from me. That despite his feelings, he would never do that to me. Well, Miami Judge Teresa Mary Pooler was not swayed by Clifford's family and friends. The evidence showed, sir, that you committed a monstrous act. You treated Lynn Friend with unspeakable, sir, look at me, with unspeakable cruelty. 
Judge Pooler sentenced Clifford Friend to life in prison, even though the sentencing guidelines in 1994 only called for 22 years, which with gain time meant he would spend less than a decade behind bars. Had this man been sentenced to 22 years, he would have served maybe seven. And Ed O'Dell, now married and a resident of Nashville, Tennessee, said that he's still coming to a resolution with the jury verdict, but he's happy that Clifford didn't get away with it after all. Hello, it's me. It's about 9.15, and I'm a little worried about you, and I hope everything's okay. Yeah, well, it wasn't. (laughs) I'd say Clifford Friend was more of a fiend. Drop the R. I wanted to thank one of my listeners, Elena Menya, for reminding me about a horrific murder. Apparently, I keep her up at night with my podcast. She messaged me on Instagram and said, I simply love your Full Rigger podcast. She says she usually listens to it at night and then she can't sleep. <laughs> Sorry. Well, this one is definitely going to keep you up at night. She asked me if I had covered the baby lollipop story yet. And no, Elena, I have not. And thank you for the reminder. I will cover this disturbing murder of a three-year-old boy next week. The body of baby lollipops was found abandoned under a bush on Miami Beach. Remember, he was three and he only weighed 18 pounds at the time of his death. He was initially unidentified, so police called him Baby Lollipops because he was wearing a T-shirt with a lollipop design when his body was found. And according to police, Baby Lollipops was starved and beaten with a baseball bat on the head, was burned with a cigarette on the cheek, had broken teeth, broken bones, bed sores from being bound to a mattress. His diaper was caked with excrement, and attached to his body with brown packing tape. It was wound around his body, and his arm was permanently fixed at a 90-degree angle. I'm going to stop there. You get the point. So download my Full Rigger podcast next week and find out who did all this to baby lollipops. So that wraps up this episode of Full Rigger. I hope you enjoyed it. I really didn't because it's a sad story. I mean, nobody wins in this one. Of course, Lynn Friend is dead, so that's a no-win situation. And then you've got the son who loves his father and lost his mom. That's a no-win situation. At least the prosecution got their man, but it took 20 years. So he was out free, roaming around, starting a new family and business for 20 years. So all in all, it's just a sad story. But one I had to tell you. Remember, to subscribe, download, and like my podcast. And also check me out on Instagram at Full Rigger Podcast. And feel free to message me there if you have any ideas for a future podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.